Hey everyone, we found this great guest, Tish Guerin. I'm so excited to have her on. She is the Director of Player Wellness for the Carolina Panthers, and this is the first NFL team to have someone that is focused on that clinical piece of counseling for NFL players. So it was really exciting for us to have her on to talk about what's going on there and how she's been an unwitting but certainly grateful pioneer towards this in the NFL field. Thanks for joining us. I'm not the house of cards that falls down easily. I'm strong enough to handle what you throw at me. Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Tish, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So I really wanted to interview you because of your position um, and because you're female and look at what you're doing in sports and it's mental health and we're mental health news radio. So can you give our listeners kind of a background into how this was created, why this is so important, um, why you were splashed across the news? (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, I did not expect to be uh, splashed across the news. That was actually a surprise to me as well. Um, (laughs) So I uh, actually had, you know, this is kind of always something that I wanted to do. Um, I've been in mental health basically all of my career um, since undergrad. I graduated from Winston-Salem State University in 2005, and um, I went to grad school from 2008 to 2010 um, from USC Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um, go Gamecocks, go Rams. So, <laughs> oh, um, you are so yeah. evil. <laughs> yeah, go Gamecocks. So, um, you know, I, I kind of always knew that I was going to be in this space. So I was very, you know, intentional um, just, you know, early on, just even in my education, you know, I wasn't someone that came into psychology or mental health and, you know, I had, you know, I changed my major or I wasn't sure, like I'd always known I was going to do this. Mm, good so, for you. Um, and I was, you know, lucky in that sense. I graduated undergrad four years, no summer school. Um, I kind of went straight <laughs> through um, and grad school was, you know, pretty much the same thing. So, you know, I really 
was doing what everyone, you know, pretty much in our field does um, in terms of gaining experience. I was working with community agencies. I was working with individuals. I was doing contract work. I was doing clinical assessments. Um, I worked with the MCO, um, the managed care organizations here. I worked with all the, you know, the big hospitals. So really just doing the work. Um, mm. Then I was like, you know what? I've gotten to a point where I feel like I've gotten enough knowledge. I have enough experience. You know, I'm not really seeing the things or the changes that I would like to see in mental health. So I'm going to kind of create that myself. So um, to that degree, you. I started, you know, my private practice, um, Transitions Management Group. And um, I was basically just doing my work. You know, I was kind of busying myself um, <laughs> in being a therapist, right? So um, I had a contact with the league office that I met a couple of years ago. And he, you know, was just a mentor for me. Um, and I kind of told him that, you know, I had this idea that, you know, I really feel like, you know, the Panthers or any, you know, football team would really benefit from having someone full-time in-house. You know, I yeah. knew that there were, you know, organizations or teams that contracted with people, but I hadn't really, you know, to my knowledge of anyone that was like housed there. So I was like, you know, I really feel like that would be a great benefit because it's someone that can, you know, build rapport with the players, that can build rapport with the people in the organization. You know, if anything comes up or any issues arise, you know, they're right there on site, you know, to address those things. So that's really where that, you know, kind of came, came from. from. But I really have to give testament uh, to the organization, to the Panthers, because it was something that they felt was needed and that they felt was important. And without that, I wouldn't be here. So, you know, it definitely wasn't a an all me, you know, type right. of situation. There were several things that essentially had to align. And every team is, you know, have they has their own, you know, independent way of doing things, um, right. it's not something that's mandated, you know, by the league office says you have to have someone in house, you know, that that's not what this is. So, but this is historic. Um, I mean, this is especially for sports talking about mental health issues. You thank goodness more and more athletes are talking about what is just part of being human. Um, so it's, you know, there's a lot less of the stigma out there, but having, you know, the Panthers taking this and making that step of, no, this is going to be an in-house person. I mean, are you, have you seen other teams follow that lead and start to make inroads in the same I direction that they did with you? There are some teams that are going to take the same steps. Mm, um, good. I can't say who, but uh, there, there are definitely some teams that are taking the, the same steps, um, which I'm just super excited about. Uh, and like I said, you know, my type of work isn't new, you know, to football by any means. I mean, right. so many supports for uh, our athletes um, down to dietitianists, nutritionists, you know, trainers, uh, everything you can kind of think of imagine. They're basically, you know, wrapped in supports. Um, so there has always been, you know, uh, a clinician, a psychologist, a therapist, or a sports, you know, performance person that works with the athletes is just the idea of having someone in house is a little bit new. Oh yeah, it just, it just seems well, you know, like a lot of things. After somebody does something like the the Panthers did and hire you, it seems so obvious. Well, you know, duh, we have a team doctor. <laughs> we have, we have, you know, we have uh, probably team physical therapists and mm-hmm. assistants, and why wouldn't you have a you know a team mental health professional on staff? I mean, it's not like the the, NBA, uh, the uh, NFL is, is devoid of people with mental issues and the pressures. You, you come in, 25 hours of the public has probably an undiagnosed, diagnosed, untreated, undertreated issue. And then you put it in all, you add all the pressures in to a professional athlete. And, 
it just seems like the mix would would require a mental health professional on staff. So when, when now it seems obvious, you but know, see, see, you know, see that. And again, like I said, I think they're, um, you know, I definitely can't speak for the team, but I think the goal was that as long as someone was you know, aware and that they had access to that, that worked. And for, you know, a large degree it does, you know, um, some teams may not feel the need to have the additional cost um, of someone on site full time. Um, the Panthers, you know, essentially looked at it as, you know, an investment to the health of the men. The as players. You, said, you yeah. know, uh, Kristen really treating the, the whole person. You got to, you can treat the body and that's great, but you also got to treat the mind. That's right. Treat the emotional, well, you know, spirit of it. It seems to me the um, yeah because they've got an investment in their, for lack of a better term, their body and the, the mind is although some people think not the case part of the body another organ, um, so I can see why they would. How come there's no? I, I said this to Kristen the other day. You know, there's a sports medicine major, but mm-hmm. there's no sports mental medicine major. That would seem to be a logical. Well, there's there's a, there's sports psychologists. I mean we. But you're talking about like a sports psychiatrist? Is that what you mean, Frank? Oh, well, I guess there are sports psychologists. I just, perhaps I, yeah, <laughs> yes, okay, one of my good right, friends, right. Joshua Guerin, is a sports psychologist. <laughs> yes, yeah, so oh, there, okay. there are right. sports me, psychologists. Me... Um, there are different routes, you know, to take uh, in terms of, you know, doing this type of work. Um, my route was the clinician route, the true clinician route, was basically behavioral health, mental health, therapist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then some people take, you know, the sports psychologist route where they go and they get a master's in science and, you know, right. sports psychology or, you know, something of that nature. And they're not technically a clinician. clinicians, right. you know, oh, um, but okay. they have the educational component, right? Um, but That's not what's different. You're doing that hands-on mental health care. Yeah. And it's, and it's also about, yeah. you know, licensure. You know, and that gets into a whole nother, you know, type of conversation. Um, and honestly, I'm not sure, so I really can't speak to it. I don't know if there's like a a sports licensure, so to speak. Like a I don't think there is. Frank, you're you're um, on you the nail on the head like, with that one. I think a lot of it is just really, you know, like the educational component. And again, that's yeah. still very helpful. But for me, I want it to be licensed. I want it to be held to a higher standard as an accrediting body Got uh, it. that I essentially have, that I answer to. Um, Are you creating like that? that piece. Uh, am I creating what? Are you going to work on creating that, you know, licensing body for what you're doing? Well, there's already a licensing body for what I'm doing. Um, well, I know there is for being a counselor, but I mean that 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 there's this athletic aspect to it, um, like an I additional licensure. Because that, that would that. be interesting, you know. Um, that would be an interesting. Not that you need to pioneer yet another thing, but again, there are so many different. Um, I can't even say licensures, but there are certifications that you can get in like sports psychology management. But that's different. It's a certification. It's not a licensure. And again, I'm not saying that to like belittle, but it's it's important, I think, as this grows, um, that people really start to educate themselves on how many different education paths, licensure paths, certification yeah. paths that you should go. And that's not to say that one is better than the other, or one way is right, right. and it's, one way is wrong. Exactly. Um, they're just different, and you never really know, at least in you know 
professional sports, what team is going to need or want what? You know what I mean? Yeah, let me ask you this. Okay, so in in doing this, you, you know, obviously you weren't you didn't know you were going to be splashed across the news, but what I've noticed from being in the business side of mental health and also in the media of mental health is it is really popular for big business to align themselves with a mental health initiative. And that's fantastic. I don't say that as a, oh, they're using mental health. No, I don't care. The more we talk about mental health, the better. So Mm -hmm. we saw like Walmart last year, you know, do a big press release about how they're opening um, mental health clinics in some of the Walmarts. And, you know, they don't, make an announcement when they open a new nail salon in the Walmarts, but they made sure that they made an announcement about, the, you know, and I was, and so, point, you know, and so I'm like, Oh, and all that told me, cause like I said, I am not putting that down at all. Right. Hey, it's that, the conversation it's, on. exactly. So from a business perspective, I look at what the Panthers are doing, especially with the hits that the NFL has taken, you know, over the last few years. I think that this is a brilliant business move on their part. Of course, they're doing it because they care about the health of their players. But on the other side of the coin, they're doing what is happening in the business world. It is a good thing to align with mental health. It is. And, and um, you know, what I, I talk about a lot, especially for like all of my clinicians out there, because I get a lot of calls um I get a lot of email requests and new friendship <laughs> requests for things. Literally, I just did not expect to get, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> um, it, it's been great, though. Um, and I really, in in this new, in, in this role and just in my platform in general and just who I am, is really just providing a lot of the education and resources to things that I thought people knew and that it was just widely discussed. I find out, oh, my gosh, they, like people had no idea how to access a therapist and what their EAP was and what was offered and that they can get free sessions. Like, people just don't know. Um, mm-hmm. so it's, it's, it's a lot of new, you know, territory. Um, but I, I love the fact that for clinicians, I'm, I'm having the conversation like, hey, you know, we have to really think about what our skill set is, not what our job is. And that's the important distinction. You know, I think, um, and I'm just going to speak for like social workers. So my background, I have an MSW. Um, and I think early on, it was only discussion of, okay, you're going to take people's babies and you're going to do Medicaid and you're going to do WIC and, and that was it. And like, that's the little box that you were put in um, versus looking um, at therapists and clinicians, like you have transferable skills. You have skills that can go into Fortune 500 companies. You have skills that can go into, you know, working with people in, you know, the stock market or traders and working with them, um, at least from a licensing, you know, perspective. But those aren't conversations in um opportunities that we're really seeking out. So for me, I got tired of feeling like I needed to just be in this box. And I knew that there was all of this benefit from having someone work with athletes that they can build a rapport with, that they knew that they could, you know, send their children to or, you know, ask me questions, you know, for their parents or for their girlfriends or for their wives. Um, So I felt that I had to get out of the box that society really tried to put me in and say, you know what, I do not feel that was, is my calling in this way. You know, I feel, you know, that God has something different for me and I really want to really go and explore that and just, you know, listen and and follow what my true path, you know, really is. And so for me, it led me here. Um, It wasn't 
a situation where, you know, I was like beating down the door of the Panthers, you know, I was just supposed <laughs> to be, right. you know, I made a contact, I, I nurtured the relationship and literally like, it was literally like it, two and a half years later. I isn't that amazing that. when those yeah. things happen, you know, they just, anyway, yeah. t- say who, they just who align. You know, yeah. They just align. You're on your um, purpose path. Things just yeah. open but up. I was, I was doing the work and that doesn't yes. take away from the work. And there are so yes. many, you know, clinicians, therapists, you know, in the world that are literally doing the work. Um, but we can sometimes feel like this is all that we're supposed to do. And I'm not trying to minimize it. All of those roles are very important. But it's saying that, you know, hey, if this something that you if you're currently in a role um, that's, you know, traditionally for, you know, a social worker or for a therapist or for a clinician that you don't feel like fits you and you really don't feel like it's your niche, well, create a new niche, right? You know, go and explore those other opportunities, but it doesn't take you getting out of your own way and realizing that, you know what, there could be something different. So I really encourage people to try to tap into those transferable skills, you know, um, the sky's the limit. You want to hear a funny story real quick, Tish? I mean, my editor, my editor might edit this out because I've told it before, but I don't think Frank knows this one either. So speaking of, you know, doing pioneering things, I'm certainly not the first podcast network on the planet. um, But when I created this network, there really weren't very many podcast networks Mm -hmm. and there were no mental health only focused podcast networks. So I really created this whole thing. And, you know, we have 50 shows and all this stuff. And everybody, including clinicians in the beginning, not everybody, but a lot of people told me, are you nuts? Don't do that. There's no money in mental health. You'll never, who's going to pay attention to what you, to to this. This is what people told me. This is three years ago. And also don't, for God's sake, don't name it mental health news radio. If take the word, call it emotional health, take mental health out because it's so stigmatized. And I was like, isn't that the point? And I yeah. did it anyway. And here we are, you know, walking into our third year and 50 podcasts on the network. So it, it's it's what everything that you're saying is so in line with just do the right thing, um, right. be in alignment and just keep moving forward. And even if you don't know what the heck you're doing, <laughs> just Absolutely. keep going. Like- and that was, I mean, that, that really just resonates like with my, with my spirit because that's really what I was doing. You know, I think, mm-hmm. um, as I said, when people, when the news blast and everything, you know, came out, you know, I think people's assumptions were like I was sending, you know, a dozen, you know, resumes right. you know, a week and, you know, I was, you <laughs> know, like, sending no. private messages, you know, to the right. owner and the coaches. And I'm like, I didn't, they called me and I responded. <laughs> and that was the end, um, you know, mm. but again, I, I, I had um, someone who knew what my passion was and, you know, yeah. where I felt like I was led and being called to do. And they recognized that and they linked me, you know, with the Panthers and the Panthers called me. And that That's was so it. Great. Um, I interviewed like anyone else would, you know, would interview yeah. um, and went through the, all the channels um, and I was selected. I interviewed, you know, there were other therapists I interviewed, but I, I, I just, I wholeheartedly believe that. If you do the work, um, if you've, you know, taken and laid the foundation and taken the necessary steps in in terms of, you know, your education and your experience and, you know, honestly not being afraid, you know, Kristen, to your point, to try something new, to not let people tell you that, why would you do that, you know. Um, that makes no, I, you know, I heard like, one that, that's this, never been done. This will make never you, been done. Yeah. And the, so what this is, this will make you laugh too. I had one who's bi- a big wig in the, uh, 
well, he was anyway, I don't know that he is anymore in the addiction field, you know, Oprah guest, all that say, Mm -hmm. well, you can't, you're not capable of running something of this magnitude because you go up and down with your weight. Wow. And and I, yeah. Oh yeah. He said this to me at a conference. I looked at him and this is what I said. I said, um, well, I'm going to follow the lead of Oprah Winfrey because she has gone up and down with her weight her whole life. And she's mm-hmm. a woman. She's a woman and she's also African-American and she seems to be doing mm-hmm. just fine. So thanks for your advice, but um, I'm not going to take it. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Well, you know, you know, it's podcasting, not wrestling. I mean, it's not like you got to make know, weight. Like, I, yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have no idea what that has to do with anything. Yeah, it was he. Well, he was trying to wrestle the company out from under me and take it over oh. by saying I should hand it to him because I don't, I because I'll never be able to to do it. But it, the point was just that you'll have you'll have a you know you may have obstacles in your way to say you right. can't do this, don't do this, you don't know what you're doing, and they don't know what they're doing either because it's new, like you just said. Um, and you just do it anyway, do it yeah, anyway. Exactly. Uh, Tish, a couple things. Number one, yeah. I believe I read that the it was a new owner, somebody who came in. You were hired in the, in the new regime, so it was, um, mm-hmm. you know, is that correct? It was like so maybe the new owner yeah. had new yeah. ideas and a little more open minded. Uh, the second thing is, and this struck me because I, uh, Kristen is admittedly not a big you know sports fan. Um, I read uh, something in your in an article in the Charlotte Observer about how. Uh, uh, Steve Smith, a uh, very talented player, mm-hmm. uh, I guess it turns out he has some issues. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know, and you, you know, I actually can't divulge if you've uh, spoken to him um, on, about those issues. But anyway, it, he was a bit of a pill, <laughs> you know, when he was early on in his playing career. He was a little difficult to deal with um, and got kind of a bad rep for being that way. And when I read that, that somehow I read that one of the players went to Steve Smith for advice because Steve had worked out some of his issues. I'm like, oh, my God, he was not a pill. He has mental illness. He has something he's struggling with. He just had it was like untreated. So mm-hmm. um, I was I was delighted to know that he's not just, you know, difficult to deal with. It was probably some issues he was working through and it was just manifested in his behavior. And then now now, thanks to the Panthers, I guess right. he's been um, able to get. Uh, yeah. Second thing is uh, Billions, the Billions, the TV show on Showtime's coming back on on the 17th. And when I heard about, yeah, when I heard about you, I thought about they hired an Mm -hmm. in-house, the one with the long dark hair. Uh, I don't know if she's a psychologist or psychiatrist. Yeah, and it occurred to me because because his rainmakers there in the uh, you know they're dialing and smiling are are like like athletes they're very valuable to the organization because they generate millions of dollars in income mm-hmm. and so to make sure that their mental and physical health were taken care of he hired an in-house person wendy so mm-hmm. i think that would be the only um predicate to what you're doing actually at in-house yeah so um i've, I've been compared to the billion show now we're i'm nowhere near that extreme you know in terms of the things that they have going on there um but uh, you know, the idea of, you know, having someone come in to work with your most valuable assets, right? The people that generate, you know, the money and you want to make sure that, you know, this is human capital. You want to make sure that they're taken care of. So like that was the the the, the presence, the, you know, the, the idea of billions 
Um, and I guess, you know, it's really just kind of luck of the draw that, you know, it's a billionaire that bought the team. <laughs> but and, but yeah, it was really, well. I think it, it kind of came from, um, you know, I think me here really was a big initiative from the coaching standpoint, from the yeah. coaches and the GM. And, I mean, honestly, it just took all of their buy-in. Because, like I said, it's not something that every team has or will have. It really does depend on who who's in leadership and what they feel is important. Well, can I uh, – can I? Uh, you mentioned something, or Kristen mentioned something earlier. I think you may have said this. is The teams, all the teams have people in the mental health field um, available. Mm-hmm. So there yeah. is – I'm not a big fan of this word – access. Uh, what I find is the same thing on college campuses. Well, we have access to these things. Well, you know, access is one thing, uh, but will they take it? You have to take advantage of the access, which is an extra step for someone who perhaps is dealing with a mental issue. Wouldn't you have somebody mm-hmm. in house, somebody you see every day, somebody you know, somebody you trust, you know, somebody whose office you can just knock on the door, walk in, close the door, and I, I think I think that's the value of of that's the downside of access versus have somebody on staff is you are um, correct. You build, a, like, you build that rapport. Yeah. And the rapport building is something that we really don't emphasize enough uh, in therapy. It's something that's ongoing. So, you know, for anyone that's been to a therapist knows like you might go to a therapist for six months consistently, you're seeing them, you know, every week or you're seeing them bi-weekly and you've built a really good rapport with them, right? And then you're going to have a period where it's a low, like you may just get missing as a therapist. You may not see a client that you've been used to seeing for, you know, a couple of months because maybe they're doing good and they feel like, you know what, I got this. I want to try and just see if I can maintain, you know, be stable on my own, which is, which is awesome. Um, But at some point, they might hit a, another bump in the road, and they want to come back to you. Well, having that rapport phase has been, you know, instrumental uh, because now it's like not like they have to start all the way over with someone new. You know, that changes. They know you know them. You've gotten comfortable with them. They know what to expect from you. They know the questions that they need to ask, and they know that you can kind of get them to the root of their problem because they have a rapport. So it's kind of the same thing in this situation. Uh, Because I'm here all day, like to your point, they can come in, knock on the door, you know, plop on my couch, or, you know, it may not even be talking anything, you know, mental health therapy related. It could be, hey, what restaurant did you try this week? Hey, have you seen this movie? That's part (laughs) of. The re- that's part of rapport <laughs> building. It's not just talking about, you know, things that are an issue or are a concern. It's the whole spectrum of things. It's the things that make you as a person. And yes. I think that's also what helps in decreasing the stigma, right? Yes. If you're looking at your oh, therapist yeah. as someone that's a person, you know, they live, breathe, they go to the movies, <laughs> you know, they go, you know, to they have their own the parties, anxiety. they have yeah. their home, you know, they yeah. are a person. Yeah, It kind of helps with saying, but they are a person that still has balance, right? They're balanced, you know, in their life and in their approach and, you know, and how they look at things. And you're trying to mimic that and you want to get to that point as well. Well, now there's that connection because you're seeing them just as a person, not as this entity. You know, when I came, you know, into the Panthers, I, I, I definitely came in initially, um, you know, I had the, the suits and, you know, I had the, the button down, you know, shirts and I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. I am in athletics and no one dresses like yeah. this here. And yeah, I was like, I shirt. do not 
feel yeah. like I am going to be received well. Yeah. You know? So I had to change that up. And that for me, that took a mind shift because I come from, you know, healthcare. I come from private practice where right. that's the that's the dress code. But here the dress that's code very is different than jeans. Yep. You know, but because I'm a sneakers and jeans, does that mean I, I'm not going to be as effective? No, absolutely not. In fact, right. I've become more effective because now I'm someone that they can relate to. Now I'm personable. Now it's, oh, my God, Miss Tish, I love those sneakers. Those are hot. You know, <laughs> like it's, it's that kind of stuff. Well, if I'm talking about rapport building, I'm talking about making sure that this player gets, you know, the best out of life and that they are well balanced. Those types of things help. And I think as therapists and as mental health clinicians, those are the things that we have to, to think about and be mindful of and recognize that in a lot of areas, you know, things are changing. You have to be able and flexible to change with those. Now, if I was someone and I came in here and I was like, you know, nope, I'm only going to wear this. I have to wear a three-piece suit every single day. I have to have on two a clipboard that you carry around and, and write notes. And I carry around and I yeah. write notes on. They would be like, uh-uh, no way. I'm not telling like, her I'm not, name I'm not telling anything. Her <laughs> you know? Um, so I had to, you know, realize, number one, take a breath. Center yeah. myself, recognize where I was, recognize who I was talking to, recognize what my population looked like and what the population that I'm serving mm. needed from me. Let me ask you this, Tish, because I ask this of all um, of all people that get into the mental health field. And I mean, the reason I even created this podcast was a love letter to mental health people that choose to be in mental health, uh, because awesome. those were my, those were my healthy parents growing up mm-hmm. were the counselors that I saw. So how do you, you know, as a person, not just in the role that you have, but, but in the role that you have, how do you, you know, obviously you're human, as we're all saying, mm-hmm. you've got your own struggles that, and up and downs that is part of the human experience. So how mm-hmm. do you, um, you know, keep yourself in that balanced place. You can't all the time because that would mean that you're inhuman. So how do you sort of, you know, walk that road of, okay, I've got to be together because this is what my, these are what my services are for mm-hmm. these people, but I'm also human and I have my own issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, um, and I'll, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm not someone that's really struggled with, I have not struggled with mental illness. So I definitely don't speak from, you know, a sense of, you know, I've, I've lived through it, been through it. I, I have not. Um, but I recognize the, the challenges because I've been in it for so long. Um, mm-hmm. At one point I worked yeah. in a psychiatric inpatient hospitalization. And yeah, you're not required to have suffered yeah, from mental not illness required, to, yeah, to, to, <laughs> to, to be a good therapist. People, right. <laughs> so, um, so for myself, um, it's two words, intention and mindfulness. So mm-hmm. that's basically what I live by, intention and mindfulness. Intention yeah. meaning, you know what, I recognize who I am and I recognize what I need in order to be successful. Uh, successful at work, successful at home, to be successful as a, as a parent, as a wife, as a daughter. And I have to be, you know, intentional about those things. So what do I need to do in order to make sure that I am my best self? So for myself personally, I am someone that I will go to the movies by myself in a heartbeat. Like whatever oh, it me is, too. you know, <laughs> like whatever it is. And my husband, you know, we've had this conversation. He knows now, like he doesn't even ask to go to the movies with me. Like sometimes if it's something I know he really wants to see with me. But majority of the time I'm like, look, I'm just going to jump on Fandango and I'm going to go ahead and get my movie and I'm going to treat myself mm-hmm. to like a large popcorn and I'm I'm going to go is being intentional about whatever those things are that give you peace 
right? And peace is not something that you can put a price on. You cannot put a, a price on peace of mind. There is no price on peace of mind. So whatever that is, that's what I go do. So it might be that. It might be, you know, just pedicure, you know, the little, the pampering me, whatever it is that I feel getting like I need sleep, to do. Getting enough sleep, eating. Yeah, getting right, enough sleep, yeah. eating, you know, whatever it, it, it is that I feel like I need to do in order to be successful. So just being intentional about that. Then mindfulness. I have to practice mindfulness every day. Um, and it's something, you know, that I work with, you know, our guys on, that I work with in my practice on, you know, with clients um, that I've I kind of always, you know, done. And now there are trainings on mindfulness. There's apps on mindfulness. There are certifications, you yeah. know, yeah. mindfulness training yep. um but that's something that i have to practice every day meaning i have to re- be mindful to slow down i have to be mindful to you know what listen to what other people are saying don't rush to solve don't rush to fix because i'm a natural fixer you know center yourself focus and be right. mindful on you know what they're saying and what they're saying they need or what you need to do or feeling like you don't need to rush so that's something that i still practice on that i again just it's a daily practice for me. Good, good, good for you. Frankie, I've well, interrupted you. You had a question. That's okay. That's okay. I've always got a question. Uh, <laughs> so I think, I think, I think the power of this, uh, one of the, one of the powers of your position is this, that mm-hmm. if there's access to uh, mental health facilities or mental health care, mm-hmm. different than somebody such as yourself, who's again in the office and there's that, that personal element, that rapport, but also, if I was going to establish a practice and I was going to treat people, um, you know, in, in a position like yours, mm-hmm. I would I would treat comedians because I know uh, what they've been through. I know their problems. And and in your case, because you deal with strictly with, uh, you know, the players, you mm-hmm. uh, have probably been exposed to just about every situation a player might find themselves involved in in terms of behavioral health. So. If I was going to see you as a player, I know that I wouldn't have to explain, you know, so much. Going outside, you have to, if they don't have any idea what's going on in the head of an athlete, then you're going to have to sort of give them a primer on, okay, here's the deal. As a football player, but in your case, they come in, you already have a knowledge of the, you know, their problems, issues, whatever. And it just speeds the process, makes it much more comfortable, I assume, to have somebody who knows what they're talking about when they walk in the door. So um, here, here are my thoughts to that. So one of the things you don't want to do, um, you know, or that I've been mindful not to do in this role is to assume that if a player comes and speaks to me, that it's going to be anything football related. Like I think oh, that's the worst okay. thing you can do. Um, it very well may not be. It may have nothing to, to do know. with football. And Good. that's something that because if I if they come in and I automatically assume they want to talk about football or they want to talk about, you know, anything football related on the field, then what I've done is limited what their issue really may be. I put them in a box because yep. I've made the assumption that that's what they're going to talk to me about and that's what the issue is just because I'm in house and that would do them a disservice. And so I wouldn't do that with any client. I would never, you know, have a client come into my office and, yes, you may have contacted me because you're going through a divorce. But I can't necessarily assume that that's all you want to talk about. There may come, Uh, you know, you might bring up some issues from childhood that is the reason why you're getting the divorce. And maybe that's what we need to talk about. Does that make sense? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, I apologize yeah. for making the assumption. <laughs> yeah. So and 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 that and that goes back to my first point of you know really making sure that you're treating the whole person right. Well, the whole person is not just a football player. It's a significant part of it, but that's not the entire person. So making sure that I have an environment where it's inclusive, where they feel that they can talk to me about whatever it is, is paramount. Well, Tish, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, I'm, I, I know we had to switch things around because you are a busy woman. I'm so glad I could make this work. <laughs> like, oh my God, I don't cancel anymore. I was so nervous. I was like, oh gosh. <laughs> oh well, I hope I hope you realize now. No need to be nervous with us. Um, can you tell our listeners, you know, where they can find out more about you? Sure. Now, I'll I'll definitely be the first to say I am not the big social media person. Um, I <laughs> good. You're really a counselor. Tr- you probably yeah. Like I am be. really trying, you know, to to be a little bit more present. I, again, full disclaimer. Um, but what I have realized is that, um, in part, the other part about me being, you know, wanting to stay balanced is doing things that are, are is not doing things that aren't are organic to who I am as a person. And so right. I am not the person to put out a tweet every, you know, 10 minutes and to walk around with, you know, my phone in my hand. Oh, no, because that's not mentally like healthy. IG. I, I, again, <laughs> some people do it and they feel like, you know what, hey, because you're this person, that's what you have to do. But right. I do not subscribe to that. But yeah. on occasion, you might see me drop something. <laughs> um, so um, <laughs> you, can, I am, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Garen Tish. Um, on Instagram at t.garen. And I'm also on LinkedIn, which actually I spend a little bit more time on than any social media platform. Um, <laughs> and at LinkedIn uh, is uh, Tish Garen. Fantastic. Well, Tish, thank you so much. Anyone can go and also find you by um, looking up the North Carolina Panthers based in Charlotte, um, North Carolina. So they can, they can look for you there too. And thank yeah. you so much for coming on the show. I know, I know, no one likes commercials, but seriously, folks, without the help from these organizations, we could not stay on the air. Please give a shout out to zencharts.com. If you're a mental health or addiction treatment center, you'll want to use their EHR. It's gorgeous, and they're just good people. And also MyGenetics, M-Y-G-E-N-E-T-X.com, because knowing your genetic code empowers your mental health treatment. And lastly, CopeNotes.com. We love getting positive messages right to our phones every day from Johnny Crowder. He's the lead singer of Prison, a heavy metal band sharing their music about suicide prevention, addiction recovery, and mental health. See, that was painless. Support them as they support us. Back to the show. Sometimes I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. 
Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all, we promised we'd be cordial. So-